0: A communist radical who became fabulously wealthy later in life, Marion Stokes secretly recorded American television 24 hours a day for nearly 30 years, from 1975 until her death in 2012. For Marion, taping was a form of activism to seek the truth, and she believed that a comprehensive archive of the media would one day be invaluable. Her visionary and maddening project nearly tore her family apart, but now her 70,000 VHS tapes are being digitized for future generations. The film is called Recorder, The Marion Stokes Project, and we're joined today by the director of that film, Matt Wolf. Matt, welcome back to Film School Radio.
1: Thank you so much for having me. How did you
0: hear or find out about Marion Stokes?
1: Well, when the Internet Archive acquired Marion's, collection of 70,000 tapes, there was an initial round of press, and I saw a blog post, and you know, I make films that have a lot of archival footage, and I thought, wow, this is an archive that has basically everything and anything, and the challenge of grappling with that really appealed to me. So I tracked down Marianne's son Michael, um, who was living in the apartment that his mother used to to occupy, and I went down there, and my producer Kyle Martin and I arrived at, at her apartment building, which is maybe the fanciest apartment building in one of the the most tony parts of Philadelphia and so that was surprising to us and when we went upstairs we saw hundreds of Macintosh computers in their original boxing so (laughs) you you know this this story seemed to get weirder and weirder and then um, we went out to lunch with Michael and with Marion's personal secretary Frank and as they were talking they started to cry and I realized Um, That this isn't just a a story about an unprecedented archive, it's also a pretty emotionally intense family story. And and that's what drew me in and made me want to tell a story that is both about Marion, but also about the media and and how it transformed and has influenced public life since the start of her project in 1979 until the day of her death in 2012.
0: I, I know I alluded to it in our introduction, but let's give... The, our audience sort of a sense of uh, what that this looks like. I, I, 70,000 VHS tapes. Well,
1: Marion became a very wealthy woman. She started out yes. as a, a working-class single mother, and um, after marrying her husband, John Stokes, who, um, you know, came from an affluent background, she became a very savvy investor in technology like Apple Computer and in real estate. So, she ultimately had nine different homes that would store these tapes. But she primarily lived, um, you know, for the latter part of her life in Philadelphia. And in that apartment, she had a staff of assistants who would help her. Um, and there would be multiple televisions running simultaneously with VCRs. And she would record tapes on extended play. And so, you know, seven to eight hours in, uh, everybody would scurry around changing the tapes. Yeah. Um. you know, they would have to rush home when it was time to change the tapes. So yeah. this was a very manual, grassroots kind of project, out, totally outside of any established institution or kind of high-tech workflow.
0: Well, let's talk about Marianne, because uh, she, her background, and we get into this in the film, sort of where she came from, her very uh, sort of uh, unsettling early life with her, her, where she was born and how that relationship with her mother never, well, never happened, really. It's an insight into her and as to why she was so uh, interested in documenting the her life or the life around her. Tell us a little bit about where she came from.
1: Yeah, I mean, Marion grew up poor in, in Philadelphia, and, um, you know, she, she was orphaned, and— um, You know, she, growing up, as she became older, got an education to become a librarian, and it was around the time she was working as a librarian that she became involved in the Communist Party and and doing activism around Cuba. She met her first husband in that context and had her son, um, Michael, but um, I think that she kind of moved on from the radical politics of that era and started to take on a more expansive worldview, but... Yeah, I mean, she, she grew up in a difficult family environment, and she was a single mother. And as Michael was growing up, I think he struggled. They had a, a tense relationship because Marion could be quite controlling. And I think, you know, this issue of control is definitely at play in the taping project. Marion was grappling with the onslaught of the 24-hour news cycle, and I think by capturing everything, not only... Was she creating an invaluable archive and, and, in some senses, investing in the future? But I think she was trying to exert some sort of control over this deluge of information that washes over us.
0: Right. Well, she came from a family background where her mother um, gave her up at a very young age.
1: Yeah, that is true. Marion Marian was given up, and so perhaps she had unrealistic expectations about what families should be or how they should behave. And and as a result, she had a troubled and difficult relationship with her son, Michael, and also her stepchildren, right. uh, John Stokes' children.
0: Right. And also, she has a background, uh, If she really came into her own, it sounds, it feels like from the film, as a librarian, which is another sort of element in understanding why she would be so um, concerned about documenting things and being... She, she seemed to have a very curious intellect as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, Marion, beyond being a librarian, also hosted a local Philadelphia talk show called Input. That's where she met her husband, John Stokes. And Input was essentially consciousness-raising sessions where all sorts of people from ex-convicts to secretaries and priests would get together and debate just a huge array of issues. And it, it became clear for me as I was watching that show and and. Uh, seeing the nature of it, that Marion and her husband John's interest in intellectual curiosity was truly expansive. Um, she had a vast um, amount of knowledge that I think was, um, you know, mostly learned not through academia, but, but through her own curiosity. And she was very much interested in discourse and the conversation around politics and ideas. And I think that that characterized her entire life and her life's work.
0: Yeah, she's a really fascinating person. I, I want to make sure that in our sort of conversation, it's easy to, in some way, pigeonhole her as a, she's a hoarder, right? Because that is, you know, we see that that is part of her, and, uh, and they often say people who are involved in hoarding things are sort of a, it's there are control issues, and so going back to where she came from, going knowing that she was uh, she she found she was intellectually curious became a librarian all these things uh, sort of fill in a lot of the curiosity about someone who would do this because at the time it was an onerous effort on the part of well it put a lot of strain on her family certainly and because of her wealth she was able to quote-unquote manage all of this these uh these recordings and this continuing ongoing basis so it, it's I liked her a lot to be honest with you even though her it's maybe in uh in her interpersonal relationships with people she was a difficult person i i love people who are intellectually curious like she is,
1: is yeah that, is and that i fair? think i I think Marion is also a very radical person not just because she was involved in radical politics earlier in her life but because she pursued a project that others didn't see value in. That's why she's called a hoarder. I mean, there was a dysfunctional element of her project, of course, but people think when somebody collects things that aren't of value that they're a hoarder. If uh, people find value in what's being collected, then they're a collector or an archivist. Right, and right. Marion collected stuff that people didn't see value in. Television networks for decades were throwing out their archives, um and it's it's unquestionable now how valuable that information is. Right. Um, and so she did it, but as an African-American woman uh, from a particular generation, she was excluded from institutions, and institutions just in general didn't prioritize or value what she was doing. So right. I see her as being truly radical because, you know, she took matters into her own hands and pursued this project private, privately right. on her own terms. So I think, um, you know, she's, That that's what I respond to her. Um, I think there was an intensely dysfunctional aspect, and that she could be quite cruel to people. But that um, you know there is also an an element of generosity towards her commitment to this project.
0: Right, and my reference to hoarding has to do more with the newspapers and the books. And yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I think what you're talking about, and I agree. This is something. I'll you know be honest with you. I have a couple of big boxes full of VHS tapes where I was, something along these lines I've documented when I was in the 70s and 80s, I was documenting television, not documenting, I, I was recording shows that I, I like, news shows and all that. So I was something very relatable in what she was doing because I've kept these things around now for 40 years. So I I kind of understand what she was coming from on that level. And I think
1: mean, now, you know, with uh, with digital technology as it is, it's a lot of us uh, can have hoarding tendencies in terms of kind of wanting to have everything, have access to all media, right. to have thousands and thousands of photographs right. of our daily lives and right. huge MP3 archives and yeah. bit oriented films. I think, you know, the tools are accessible for us all to, to kind of collect an amount of media that's not even usable or accessible to us in a meaningful way.
0: Right. They're just not in a box in the garage. They're on a computer, or they're on a server. Yeah, so, or yeah.
1: Thousands, thousands of boxes in nine homes, or <laughs> pallets and pallets of boxes in, a, uh, in an industrial storage facility at the Internet Archive in Richmond, California.
0: Right. Um, we're speaking with Matt Wolfe, He's the director of the new documentary film Recorder, The Marion Stokes Project. Uh, Matt will be in town on Friday, uh, November 29th, Friday, November 29th, at the New Art Theater, and, uh, Matt, you're in town for uh, Friday and Saturday for Q&As at the, the New Art. Am I correct?
1: Yep, that's right. I'll be there uh, with the journalist Adrian Chen and the artist Martin Sim um, doing Q&As and talking about the film.
0: I want to focus on just what you said a minute ago, and that is what I I think I assumed, and it's not true, is that the all of the programming that's being done on television networks and major television like CBS, NBC, is around, is was archived. And in fact, that's not the case. So, right?
1: No, I mean, to, to some extent it's archived. Um, I work with broadcast archives to making films sometimes, but it's limited, and access to it is is not easy and, and is, is very expensive. It's not something that normal researchers have ready access to. The Vanderbilt Television Archive, um, they have a, uh, an expansive television connection, but it's primetime broadcast of news from the major from the, you know, the major networks. Um, it doesn't include commercials, sitcoms, public service announcements, uh, you know, um, uh, lo- local programming, um, you know, the full flow of all day on television. That's so valuable, the information uh, that's within that. And um, you know, no other archive has that. Of course, there's just an incredible amount of obstacles. So many different rights holders, etc. But the Internet Archive is is really innovative in their approach to this stuff. They're 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 radical in their own right in terms of how they aim to collect all media and to be a repository of as much knowledge as possible and and mm-hmm. using technology as a means to do that. You know, mm-hmm. the, you may be familiar with the Wayback Machine. It's It's a search engine in which the Internet Archive is archiving the entire Internet, and you can see old versions of websites. So they share the same kind of vision and ambition as Marion, but for the more um, technologically savvy era.
0: One of the strengths of the film is watching the real-time video of events that some big and some small, some most all of them are memorable for a lot of different reasons. And also the way in which news was delivered to people going back to this time when she started in 1975, not only the technology has changed, but the way in which news, and I'll, I'll say a word that's probably a loaded word to use, and the way in which news is packaged is very different than the way it was packaged back in 1975. And I think what we're seeing in the film is a um, homage, if you will, to Marion's radical perspective is is am i is that fair the way that you sort of yeah uh,
1: there's two things going on kind of it, it is showing kind of the passage of time as seen on television and also exploring the ways in which television presents the ideologies of the people who produce it so it's it's transporting in terms of seeing vintage imagery and and things that you know evoke nostalgia for people of different generations but um, there's also critical moments where you see how how the media constructs events and history, and and what the significance and meaning of that is. That that whole exploration of Marion's collection and and the value, and also the insights within it, uh, that runs parallel to her personal story. But of course, um, you know the two are, are intimately intertwined. As as this was Marion's whole objective and, and mission. It
0: feels like it, you, when you see it in in Recorder, you see. How well, you look back and you say, well, that, that boy, how unsophisticated were they? But these, thi- these things had tremendous impact on our politics and our points of view, our, our, our social outlook, our, uh just so many different things as the way that media and news was presented. It, it, it informed our decisions in ways that when we look back on them, they may seem uh, unsophisticated, but nonetheless, at the time, they were considered to be state of the art. And so it, it's there's this window into the sort of the shifting of, of news presentation and the news we, we know about, the, the news that was essentially considered ready for prime time. I don't know if that makes sense. It,
1: yeah, it does. And it's interesting because I think people now say, well, who watches television? It's all on, you know, it's all streaming. And social media has changed the way people absorb media. But, you know, you have to look at our political reality today is Fox News uh, elected a reality television star as the president. So it's kind of, you know, the primacy of television as a means for people to uh, obtain information and not really good information. It really impacts public opinion and shapes uh, the politics of our society. So the influence of television on public opinion is not waning, um, despite the transformation of technology and the way that people absorb and take in the media. Um, news kind of remains king.
0: It certainly still is. You're right. Well, I I love the film. I just really enjoyed it so much, and I I would encourage people to uh, check this out at the New Art Theater uh, tonight, uh, November 29th at the New Art, you're going to be there for the screening. Is it around a 7.30 screening? I'm uh, Usually they're yes, right. Seven,
1: I'll be there for the 7.30 screenings on Friday and Saturday, so I hope people will come.
0: Definitely. Check this out. Again, the film is called Recorder, the Marion Stokes Project. And I want the website for the film is?
1: Recorderfilm.com.
0: I knew it was pretty simple, Recorderfilm.com. And yeah, uh, yeah. well, congratulations again on a wonderful documentary. Teenage was wonderful, so was Wild Combination, and now, recorder of the Marion Stokes Project. Uh, Matt Wolf, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your work. And thank you for finding time to spend with us again on Film School Radio.
1: Thank you so much.